Up next on the draft at Pigskin Nut, uh, me and Austin, we're going to talk about our top edge players. And uh, in this year's 2020-2021 draft, uh, you're not hearing ed edge. Edge is really one of the top positions uh, in terms of having players that can make an impact. But there are a lot of edge players that Austin and I have looked at. Some of them could, could potentially be sleepers. Up next, we're going to give our top 10 right here on the show. We're here. We're going to talk edge players. Austin, uh, let me ask you this. Why are the edge players not getting not getting as much love this year? Uh, you know, I, I'll be honest, Steve. I think the same reason that a lot of the players this year aren't uh, uh, getting as much love, and that's just because there's so much uh, left to be developed about a lot of them. Uh, so many of them, you know, opted out or, or, or ha only have limited experience at the collegiate level. Um, and, and that really, you know, once again, and I, we've talked about this multiple times and we've done the, some of these positional breakdowns is these guys, you know, there's just a lot more that, that teams would like to see from them entering the NFL. So you've got softer grades. Um, you know, a lot of these guys had one year of production, some of them, not even an impressive year of production. We're still looking at their, you know, talent, you know, level, you know, and, 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 and just hoping that the raw skills eventually develop to 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 make a, a star. So that's that's really what I think. You know, it is with the edge rushers. I mean, there's plenty of top upside. There's plenty of these guys that if they had stayed in school another year, we'd be talking about them as potential top ten uh, prospects going into next year's draft. But because they didn't stay that extra year, because of that limited experience, uh, I think teams are going to have a hard time. Uh, taking a risk on on some of these guys up in that top 10 to 15 area. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you could think of your Joe Tryons, uh, your Gregory, you know, your Gregory Russo's um, guys that that have that have tremendous ability. Um, but, you know, um, they, they still they still need to develop. So uh, we're going to look at each of our respective top 10 list. Uh, I think one of the most fascinating things about, um, you know, when put when looking at uh, people's list for edge rushers is it's it's all over the place. You're definitely seeing that a lot of people have varying opinions. I mean, I've seen people that don't even have Gregory Russo in their top ten to fifteen edge players. Um, you know, so, so definitely, um, you know, I have some guys that I've certainly ranked uh, a lot higher than a lot of other people would, but I'll, I'll talk about it. But uh, Austin, we're going to look at at your top ten first, and uh, you know, you have Aziz Ojolari number one. You have Gregory Russo two. You have Quiddy Pay three. You have uh, Jalen Phillips, number four, uh, Jason OA, five, Carlos Basham, six, uh, Joseph Osai, seven, Joe Tryon, eight, Ronnie Perkins, nine, and, uh, you know, Peyton Turner, 10. So, um, you know, maybe what we, we can do is, you know, we'll, we'll go, you know, we'll go, we'll go from one to 10 and then, you know, just maybe take, you know, 30 seconds on each of these guys and then, and then talk a little bit about, you know, why you have them ranked there. Absolutely. You know, we start with, with Ojolari over at Georgia. 
And uh, the reason he's the top in this class is just because of the scheme versatility. I think there's going to be a lot of teams that have a role in mind for him, and they may be different. Uh, I personally think that him playing a, a strong side linebacker position in a hybrid scheme where he's the over linebacker that's walked down to the line of scrimmage, not exactly an edge position, but someone that can get involved as an edge player uh, coming off the edge against the pass, but, you know, is more of a take-on player against the run, which I think Ojolari is one of the best take-on players in this class. Yes, he does have the athleticism that makes you think he could be an outstanding edge rusher um, on passing downs as well as the arm length. My problem is I just don't know, you know, at that 245 to 250-pound range, if if playing him consistently on the edge and him consistently taking on tackles is going to be best for his future. Could he bulk up? Sure. I don't want to mess with his athleticism. So, you know, I, I, I personally, you know, could you play him as a three, four outside linebacker? Absolutely. You could, especially if you put him on the weak side where he's more of a pursuit player and that athleticism could shine, put him on the strong side where he's constantly taking on a tackle or a double team with the tight end. I have my doubts about that, but but in that hybrid scheme where he's not exactly an edge type player, where he's more flexed out one by one or two by two off the end man, uh, I think that could be a much better role for him. And yes, he can put his hand on the on the ground and in nickel situations and rush the passer. Um, Russo, you know, is my number two, um, and I know you're you're not necessarily as big a fan of Russo as I am, but it's it's all about projecting. Oh no, oh no, the upside. That's that's changed. <laughs> yeah, well, well, you know, it's all about projecting the upside with Russo, as it is with exactly. many of these guys. The thing about Russo, I will say, um, is is that it, it the tape you see flashes of a really good athlete for someone who's who's over six six and a half inch. Um, the, obviously, the long arms are there. He sometimes puts it together, although it does come from the interior a lot where he actually uses that arm length. But the thing that really impressed me about his workout that's not getting a lot of talk from everybody else because they said he had only a lukewarm workout. And, and in a lot of ways, he did. But the 10 yard split of a 157 that is better than Phillips, it's better than Owa, it's better than Pay. That shows that this is a guy that can explode off the line quicker. And there are flashes of that in his 2019 tape. Now, I can easily see why some people would rank him much lower. I've heard one evaluator say, Austin, you know, yes, he had a lot of sack potential or sack production that 2021 or 2019 season, I beg your pardon. Uh, but in the same sense, how many of those sacks came from the interior? Is he going to play on the interior in the NFL a ton, rush the passer a ton in the NFL from the interior? I don't see that. Some of it was as a true nose over the center's uh, face, you know, and stuff like that. It's like, guys, he's not going to play that in the NFL. So, so you know, I see the flexibility on how to rank Russo. But at the end of the day, I look at the size. I look at that really impressive 10-yard split in his 40, and I say, yes, a guy with that arm length, with that size, that can fire off the football with that kind of explosion – that makes me think of a guy that can really have edge rush success in the NFL. Once again, yes, we're projecting that because we didn't see it but for one year at Miami. But, you know, it's it, it's there. Quiddy Pay, another guy, limited tape. He, he looked impressive against Indiana this year, and then he gets nicked up, and we don't see him anymore. 
You know, the, the, but the athleticism, athleticism is there. We knew he was going to put on a show at his pro day. You could see it right there on tape that the athleticism is there, but we've got to refine it. We've got to polish it. This is a guy I wouldn't be shocked if some teams want to stand him up as an outside linebacker, you know, in a 3-4 and play him at that. I really think he could be good in that role as a stand-up outside linebacker. If you want to put him on the ground, uh, you know, as, as a true edge defensive end, I think he can do that too. He reminds me quite a bit of Brandon Ingram when you talk about, you know, a guy that's got a, a nice solid build, um, but yet somebody that's that's not exactly prototypical height, you know, only around 6'2 or so. So, you know, I, I do think he can survive standing up or playing though, and that's why I've got him third. Uh, Phillips is one of my softer grades in this class as the fourth guy on my list, and that's simply because of the, gosh, the injury history, man. The injury history just scares the – the the crap out of me you know this is a guy that left ucla with the intent of not playing football anymore after a third concussion guys what's what what's the decision he's going to make when the fourth concussion comes because every time you have one you're that much more susceptible to, to one more whack to the head and it happens again so you know with with phillips uh that that scares me he went to miami uh, to, to study music and ended up, you know, going out, you know, and, and playing for Miami and having an impressive 2020 season. Uh, but, you know, I just, I don't know, you know, there's, there's a lot of questions and, and I don't want to say there commit questions about his commitment to football. I believe he really does want to play football, but you're, when you, you know, your health concerns, uh, you know, that, that, that's just a whole nother animal. And, you know, when you've got concerns in that area, when, you know, he's concerned about that area, he's walked away from the sport once, you know, I, I have to say, uh, if you're an NFL team evaluating him, that's a major, major risk because one shot to the head and, in in his career, I mean, he could call it quits or better yet, a doctor could tell him, Hey, bud, you, you got to stop this. And then, you know, uh, rounding out my top five, and I'll let you weigh in after this, uh, you know, Jason Owa out of Penn State, you know, I hear people ask me all the time, Austin, do you really think a guy could be drafted in the first round that didn't record a single sack in 2020? And I say, guys, the pressure was there. He does need to get better to finish. He does need to get better with his handwork to be able to to get free so he can finish. Um but my goodness, you know, you look at the tremendous athlete he is. Um, I really, I told one person, he reminds me of what Montez Sweat was a year before Montez Sweat came, uh, came out. You know, Montez Sweat could have come out a year early. He stayed at Mississippi State, ended up having a really good final year there, went to the Senior Bowl, impressed us even more, and, you know, and came to the, to the you know, Washington as a, more ready player than what he could have been a year prior. I think Jason Tanoa was kind of in that boat where he did decide to come out as opposed to staying for the, the one more year and growing that much more and finally turning potential into production. Uh, but, you know, I, I tell you, for, for defensive coordinators that believe that they've got the magic touch that can coach up and they can refine somebody who's just got extremely elite athletic ability, and it shows up on tape. This isn't a guy where you where we were shocked that he went out and tested well. You know, it shows up on the tape. It just you got to figure out a way how to finish. They've got to groom him. They've got to coach him. They've got to be a little bit patient with him. I wouldn't be shocked if somebody just drafted him with a, a you know, a specialty pass rusher, 
you know, in mind, somebody that doesn't play a ton in the base uh, and rotates in the nickel, uh, at least in his first year. I wouldn't be shocked about that at all. But in the end, you know, if you're patient, boy, the reward could be immensely, you know, significant for a franchise if they can just groom him, be patient with him. Steve, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I was, I was on mute for a second. You know, interesting. You know, I, I don't really, you know, Owe. I look at someone you have to be patient with, but I also don't really look at him as a big risk either. Um, I think, I think, I honestly, I think Russo is a little bit more, more risky in some ways. But yeah, I, I think you know because you don't know exactly. Um, you know, are you going to put him over the middle? But you know, he's. I don't really think of him as 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 Ed Oliver per se, even though Ed Oliver is not really, you know delved into what he could be yet, but also people wonder is, is, you know, every natural position for him. You know, I, I have Russo ranked very high. I'll talk about that in a lit, uh, in a bit, but I, I think, you know, you, you have, you have Ojolari number one, uh, you have Russo two, you have pay three Phillips for OA five. Um, but I think OA, I was saying you, you can definitely, like you said, you have to be patient with him, but I think, uh, he's shown you a lot that he can actually turn into something. Uh, interesting that, that you have Ojolari ranked that high. Now, do you have him ranked that high because you think that at this point in time, in terms of not having it, not having an injury history, and showing you that he's he's done well against quality competition? You know, we can go back to the Alabama game. He had a good game against Leatherwood, uh, who, who was his assignment that game. Is that why you have Ojolari number one? I, I tell you, I have Ojolari ranked that high because of that linebacker position I I, I talked about, and and I think he could play Sam. In a four-three, I think he could play, like I say, on the weak side in a three-four, where his size and and having to take on a tackle or a double team quite as much won't be quite, you know, uh, it, it won't be as often. It won't be as much in the trenches and constantly, you know, getting that two hundred and forty-five, two hundred fifty-pound frame beat up. Um, but I'll say this too: there's something that Ojolari shows that a lot of these guys I can't necessarily say it for. Because there's just limited tape, uh, and, and they haven't proven it on a consistent basis. God, Ojolari's motor never stops. And and this is a guy that you see his desire to succeed. And and that in itself, you know, boosts him above a number of guys on this list simply because you know whatever task you throw his way. Hey, bud, we want you to play Sam linebacker. We want you to play a hybrid position. We want you to play an outside linebacker in a 3-4 or a defensive end in the nickel, whatever it may be. You know you are going to get his best yeah. his best effort, and, and, and he's got the skill sets to succeed in a lot of different ways. That's why I've got him up higher. There's going to be some teams that don't have Russo or Phillips or, or maybe even Owa that high on their board simply because of the question marks. Yeah, and I think, you know, the other thing we talk about, a lot of variances in terms of how you grade, how I'll grade, how other, you know, scouts in the media will grade is that I think we're also grading a lot on different criteria. You know, I think, you know, my top 10, my top 15, actually, uh, a lot of it's really based on just how I see them, you know, translating, you know, you know as an edge, you know, where some people, like, for example, you know, when I go into, I don't have Quiddy Pay ranked in, in my top three. Uh, but but that doesn't mean he's not one of the top three best football players that's on that list. But I think when we when we look at you know edge assignments, um, you know there there's different thought processes processes there. And yours with Ojolari is is that you know he can, he can he can do a lot of different things. And in in an NFL today that values versatility, that's important. So so again, you know for those that are listening into podcast form that can't 
see all this. You know, Austin has Aziz Ojolari, number one, Gregory Russo, number two, Quiddy Pay, number three, uh, Jalen Phillips, number four, Jason Owe, number five. Uh, he has Carlos Basham Jr. at number six. Uh, he has Joseph Osai at number seven. Uh, he, at eight, he has Joe Tryon. At nine, he has Ronnie Perkins. At 10, he has Peyton Turner. And although we won't have time to uh, go through, like, you know, film on, e uh, go through analysis on each of these guys, Austin, of these guys that I mentioned, six through 10, who do you think there, you know, has the has the best chance at really being a, a, an impactful player uh, at the edge position at the next level? Well, you know, Joe, Joe Tryon from Washington has the potential that a lot of the the Russos, the Pays, the Phillips, the Owens, he's right there. He's he's not far off from what they have. Oh yeah. Wise. Uh, he just has to Bills, use his hands better. Absolutely. I mean, there there there's once again, there's going to have to be a lot of um a lot of grooming there. I think he's a little stiffer um than some of these guys are. I don't know if he's got quite that ability to bend the edge like like some of these others. Uh but you know, I I also think that he's probably going to be more of a three-four stand-up outside linebacker as opposed to somebody who's got to shoot out low from the edge position and and really stay low to turn that corner. You know, an outside linebacker in a three-four, uh, the stiffness it's not quite as much of an issue because you're coming at a little bit of different of an angle from the stand-up position from a little bit wider form. Um, so I I definitely think Tryon uh, has the potential. To, to be as good as any of them. Uh, one guy I will say. And I was going to say, you know, um, real quick, you know, that characterizes your statement from before. And, and your statement from before, you know, was that, you know, I asked you, why are these guys not ranked higher? And it's just they haven't had a chance to develop. And Joe Tryon's a guy that um, he has he has the ability. So if we saw him make a big leap this year. You know, we, we could have been talking about him as, as a top 15 to 20 pick. And, and who knows, you know, maybe we don't know how a team is going to value him. Uh, we're not saying that can happen. That can't happen. But I, I think the likelihood is certainly less. And I think, you know, when you look at that statement and that whole theme of, of this year's edge class, uh, he's, he's a prime example of that. Russo and Tryon don't opt out. There's a strong chance that they're one and two on this board. Assuming that they showed the development that they'd shown in prior years, th th there's a good chance they're one and two on this board. Definitely top five, both of them. Uh, you know, um, I I'll say this: Carlos Basham, who I've got at six out of Wake Forest, he is a guy who stayed. He is a guy that continued to show further and further development. Went to the Senior Bowl, was one of the best players there while he was uh, participating until until he eventually bowed out just because I, I, he got a little nicked up, but. But Carlos Basham is one of the – is, as a matter of fact, I'm not even going to say one of them. He is the safest player in this entire bunch, you know. And and now I, I don't necessarily expect him to make his living on the edge. This is a guy who's going to play a five-tech in a three-four scheme or as a defensive end, or he's going to play a four-tech in a hybrid scheme as an interior shaded end. Um, I, I yes, he can on nickel downs. He can step out and rush the passer off the edge. He can also rush from the interior. Um, uh, Peyton Turner is a very similar prospect, and and even a guy who I've got ranked number eleven that just missed my top ten. Milton Williams is another guy that that plays that same type of role. Uh, these guys aren't necessarily what you would call edge players. They will play some on the edge and nickel downs, but but their 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 base is going to be more of an interior shaded guy. But but Carlos Basham has done it. He's done it at Wake Forest year in year out. 
the, the, the motor is tremendous. The strength in the athleticism combination is, is outstanding. I could see Carlos Basham slipping into the end of the first round. Matter of fact, my last mock draft I put out, I had him going to Tampa Bay at 32 um, as somebody who could eventually, uh, uh, you know, replace Indomitian Sue at one end position, you know, or even compete to start across from him at the other end position in that 3-4. Uh, a, a very, very polished player, a very explosive, strong, athletic player. Uh, you know, he's somebody that could really, um, you know, do some things right away. He might be the one that has the the best impact right from the get-go of this bunch. And then, you know, and then you just look at some of the versatility from some of the others. Joseph Asai, a lot like Aziz Ojolari, a guy that's probably a strong sign player in a 4-3 or a hybrid. Uh, probably shouldn't play on the edge every down because of size. And they, especially in his case, the arm length. Uh, but the motor's tremendous. Good take on guy. Um, you know, a, he, he's another guy, you know, that he's going to fit on a lot of different boards and a lot of different ways. Some will have him as a linebacker. Some will have him as an edge. Some people will have him as a maybe a hybrid player. So, um, you know, just a lot of versatility in this group. And, and overall, you know, who knows who's going to be the top one, two or three years down the line. We – that that's the biggest issue with all a lot of these guys is there's just not a track record of a proven path of development like we've seen in past years with a guy like Chase Young, like we've yeah. seen with the Bosa brothers and people like that. We saw development year after year after year, and then the NFL came, and we just don't have that path with very many of them. Yeah, no, one of the many unfortunate things about COVID nineteen, probably for us, we're like that. That's the worst thing. What do you What do you mean? <laughs> but anyways, well, good, good, good. The good thing we don't have network executives, and it's a good thing that it's now my turn because I am excited to uh, to share mine. So again, you know, for those uh, that uh, are in podcast form, uh, Austin has Aziz Ojolari number one, Gregory Russo two, Quiddy Pay three, Jalen Phillips four. Jason Owe, five, Carlos Basham, six, Joseph Osai, seven, Joe Tryon, eight, Ronnie Perkins, nine, Peyton Turner, 10. And now here is my top 10. So it's a little bit different. Um, and, you know, my grading criteria is based on it, it's a combination of, of what I of what I saw on the tape uh, and, and also what I think they can be at the next level. And also, uh, you know, like, like if you see here, like I've quitty pay at number five. Um, I think he's probably the second best football player on this list behind Jalen Phillips. Uh, but what I'll talk about is, uh, you know, what he does in the run game is not is not the same as what he does in the pass game right now. And I'm and I think he can he can maybe develop into that. But I also have to take that into consideration. So uh, looking looking at at my top guys here. Um, you know, the reason the reason that I have Jalen Phillips number one is uh, I mean, I'll say this, you know, I, I think he's the best football player of these guys. And, and I think I think there's a pretty significant gap. I would say, you know, on film, you know, I don't really see anyone that's really a lot more proficient than him in terms of consistently defeating blocks against quality competition. And, you know, you're going to see he's he's technically sound. You know, he's great against the run in the pass, uh, you know, and and he puts in, you know, Regardless of what we can say about, you know, um, wanting to leave football, you know, there's there's nobody that puts in more effort on a down-in and down-out basis. Now, I think, is there, based on his playing style and based on what we've seen in the past, is there a potential for injury in the future? Yes, but, you know, and again, that's different grading criteria. I'm just looking based on, 
you know, what I've seen on the film. And what I see on the film is a guy that plays with great pad level diagnosis as well. Um, and, you know, I, I'd say that, you know, on this list, he's, this is a list with some good athletes, but he's still one of the very best ones on this list. Um, and I think, you know, there's enough tape of him that you can see that in my opinion, he's worth, he's worth a top 15 pick. Um, he does remind me a bit of the way he plays. Uh, I certainly won't compare him to that because, uh, we're talking about one of the, one of the best, uh, defensive ends ever, but you know, he does remind me of some of what he does similar to JJ Watt. You know, and I would say that that's based on, you know, some of his size, the way he's tested, uh, you know, how he defeats blocks. And he just, you know, flows to the football really well. Um, Gregory Russo is a guy that I have at number two. And, um, you know, Austin, we were talking initially, you know, I, you admitted, you know, I was I was very down on Gregory Russo. And I'll admit, I, I didn't like his tape at first. What I saw initially was a, a big guy that was lumbering, that would, you know, get stalemated that when he was winning, he was winning with his length with his length. And that's the thing is that you have to watch a considerable amount of tape to, to start to see things. And I would say that as I watched, you know, more and more tape, um, I started to see some of that dominance and I started to see it a lot. And, um, you know, and, and anyone who's saying that, that he did nothing more to get easy stack, you know, easy sacks. And that's, that's where stats came from. You know, I'm going to say that that's wrong. Um, you know, there's a lot of domination and I'll say, you know, and I even have a friend who, a uh, friend of mine, he was he was at the first ever he was at the first ever practice at Miami that Russo was at, and and he's and he said he said he he destroyed the he destroyed the offensive line so bad it basically shut down the practice. So look, um, you know, outside of the sacks, he had 19 and a half tackles for loss, and let's just let's just remember that he did this when he was 19 year old. Yes, he's raw. But I think he does dominate a lot more than what he gets credit for. Um, you are already seeing, you know, yes, he's raw, but he's raw, but you are seeing the sign that signs that he can start to use some of these tools. He's using these tools well. And um, he for a guy with long arms, he benched 225 a lot of times. He wins with, you know, a lot of power. Um, we've seen him, you know, be great from the middle of the defense. So you can line him up and down the defense. And look, length does matter. No, no, no joke intended there. But in the NFL sense, we're talking about edge rushers and guys' arms. Length does matter. And I also like him in the interviews. I think he's he's honest about, you know, where he needs to be. And I think he seems like a guy that likes football. Definitely one of the biggest surprises on my list to a lot of people that would see this is going to be ranking Ronnie Perkins three. I uh, haven't seen anyone else that will rank him that high. And I'll tell you why I did after I get, get a little water here. But. Um, you know, look, outside of Jalen Phillips, you know, I don't see anyone who I think did a better job of routinely um, defeating blocks. And I'm talking about what I've seen him do against both the run and the pass. You know, there's there's a lot of guys in this class where, you know, they're really they're they're really good as edge defenders, but you don't see a lot of good stuff in terms of the run game. Uh, you know, certainly Quiddy Pay, Jalen Phillips, but also Ronnie Perkins as well. Um, and the thing with Perkins is that um he doesn't have he doesn't have the highest ceiling certainly of these of these guys. I'm um, probably one of the lower ceilings in terms of guys I'm talking about. But here's what he does have: he has a huge arsenal of pass rush moves. He has counter moves. Um, you know, he's he's a good run defender. Um, and then you know what you'll see is that when he plays, uh, and you can turn on his film from the last couple seasons, and you'll see that he he's explosive, he's violent, and um, you know he has good lower body flexibility. He has a good first step. Uh, his arms are, you know, about 33 inches long. So, I mean, it's not tremendous. But the thing that he has is that he do, does use his length very well. Uh, you know, he has 
Um, again, you know, I'll, I'll, you know, you don't see him get stuck on blocks as much as a lot of these other guys do. And, um, you know, look, and I'll say this too, when he, when he ended his 2020 season, uh, although he only played six games, he, he, he had, he was averaging a sack a game and, and, you know, the tape was pretty consistent. Um, tape, tape in the cotton bowl was really good against Florida. So like that, uh, Peyton Turner, I have at number four. Uh, Peyton Turner is a guy that has a lot of scary upside, and I'll say he has a lot of the he has a lot of the same scary upside that we see in Gregory Rousseau. Um, you know, Peyton Turner tested better in, in, in some aspects. I think his um, um, his uh, he jumped higher, and I think his forty was faster. But and I'll say this: I wouldn't be shocked if Peyton Turner ends up being the the cream of the crop of this edge class uh, when we look back in five years from now. Because to me. Um, I think he's getting probably devalued. Is that you look? He's, he's playing at Houston. The level of competition there is not a, is not the same standard. Uh, but you know, he the tape shows a player that's really coming into his own. You know, he's got uh, he's raw, but he's got length. He's got speed. He's got power. He's really difficult to deal with. And I think um, you're seeing that blockers. You know, once he defeats them, they they have a hard time recovering against him. And um, you know, I, I think you know, in terms of just the way you know everything he has, he has. He has a lot of potential there, and I'll say, you know, close to the same level as as Gregory Russo. You know, I have him ranked one spot uh, behind Ronnie Perkins, although I think his ceiling is higher. But I think, you know, when you look at Ronnie Perkins as being a complete player, you know, he he's he's beyond him, you know, right now. Um, you know, Quiddy Pay, I have ranked number five. I would say he's the second best football player on this list um, because, and I'd have no problem if someone drafted him you know, late in the first round, I wouldn't draft him top 15 or I wouldn't probably draft him top 20. Uh, yeah, well, maybe like between 20 to 30 would be an okay spot for me. But, but I have him ranked at five because um, although I think he's the second best football player on this list, I think he's pretty far from being the second best pass rusher. And I'm not even sure if he's a top five pass rusher at this point. Um, you know, he's, you know, but, the, but here's what I'll say is that in terms of, you know, this NFL being about developing players that are coming out of college, um, there's a lot to like. He tested well. Um, he ex he's explosive. He's twitched up. He fires off the snap. Um, you know, he plays with probably better pad level than anyone in this class. Um, oh, absolutely. Yeah, and I mean, you know, when, when you, I mean, you know, low man wins in football, and I mean, there's nobody in this, there's nobody in this list that plays with the kind of leverage that he does. Um, but he's got, he can, but he can bend well. He's got change of direction you know, ability. So look, I mean, you know, he, he can do a lot. And then when we talk about being the second best football player in this list, but the fifth best edge rusher, you know, that's what, that's why we always were saying that, you know, everyone's grading criteria is different, but I think, um, you know, when you look at what he can be as an edge rusher, I think he can definitely turn into one, uh, but as a football player, he's great against the run. You could line him up at different spots along the line. Um, he's a great locker room guy, you know, which, uh, you know, I think we talked about the Giants wanting him and, you know, that would be a reason why. But I think, you know, when you look at his pass rush ability, it's still somewhat of a, of a projection. So I have to, uh, you know, ha have to take a step back there. So um, so that's that's my my top five there. What do you what do you got for me, Austin? Any thoughts there? Uh, you, you know, Quiddy Pay, you talked about him being a great locker room guy, a terrific backstory to pay, uh, you know, and just, uh, you know, the, his his upbringing. I, I'm a big fan of Quiddy Pay. I was, matter of fact, uh, an associate of ours over at the site, uh, Patrick Chiodi. I think I told him back uh, maybe November or so when, uh, or, or December when I knew we, we knew we were kind of getting an idea of where teams were drafting and, and me being a Cowboy fan, uh, 
kind of not really knowing who was going to be the top defender in this class because there were so many good offensive prospects and we knew Dallas was going to be picking high. And you knew that, that, you know, Micah Parsons was great, but also Cowboys already kind of had uh, some players set in at linebacker. I remember to, uh, asking Patrick, I uh, said, man, they, I wouldn't, I, I say, do, do you think it's a stretch here for me to think that pay could possibly go this high? I said, I know he's going to test well. And the tape is limited, and yeah, he's raw, and he's got to get better, you know, more consistent technique, and he's got to obviously expand his his arsenal when it comes to getting to the to the passer. I said, but man, he's just a good football player. It seems like it's all there that he's on the way to doing it. Um, and Patrick, you know, he kind of agreed with me. He's like, yeah, you know, I I can see what you're saying. I think that's you know, him being a top 10 pick would be a little rich for my blood. And, and it is the same it is for me. But, but you know, two years down the line, we might be talking about him as one of the best defenders to come out of this class. Uh, you know, uh, you know, you talk about Peyton Turner. I'll say this, too. The biggest difference between Russo and Turner, I look at Russo and you see a, a man that's ready to play NFL physically right now. You look at his torso, he's, he's put – He's put on the type of weight he needs to to be an NFL defensive end. Yeah, Peyton, Peyton needs to eat. He needs to eat a little bit more. You know, you know I'll, I'll I'll agree. But you know, he's power. He is powerful as, as he is now. Well, well, that's the thing though. I look at Turner. Turner weighed more than Russo does. Turner weighs two seventy. Did he? Okay. But but here's my thing. You look at him. It's like, bud. You know, there's there's room. There's room for you to add more. You could get stronger. And, I mean, he's already a strong guy, 35-inch arms. He puts up 23 reps on the bench. I mean, that's that that's very impressive. He's a strong player. But I, I, I could see him playing in the low 280s, and that's why I grade him best as a five-tech or a four-tech in a three-four scheme or a hybrid scheme where he's shaded on the interior, uh, a position that obviously guys like J.J. Watt and Kalias Campbell have had so much success playing in their careers. Uh, that's really where I see his his best future because of that. I really think somebody's going to get a hold of him. They're going to get him in a weight program, and this guy's going to continue to get bigger, stronger, and 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 we're going to see a guy that just really comes into his own. And and Houston did that with him. They moved him to different alignments and their their de, uh, defensive front. So uh, he's already got a bit of a taste of it. And 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 I think the the best football from from. And then that I can see that about a lot of these guys, but for Peyton Turner, I think hey, physically, he's not where he can be yet. He's a physical player, but he's not where he can be. Look at at Quiddy Pay. Physically, we know what Quiddy Pay is going to be in the NFL. We've seen it. Gregory Russo, the same. Jalen Phillips, the same. You know, and you could just go on down the line. Ronnie Perkins, Ojalari, Tryon. A lot of these guys physically already to uh, their bodies are where they need to be and are are as good as they're going to get no point in slimming them down or adding weight to most of them whereas Peyton Turner of the bunch that we both got in our top 10 he's the one that you say wow physically he can still develop so much more he can add more to his frame and then my goodness we might have a monster on our hands yeah. Um, yeah, no, no, no. F fair, you know, fair point. I mean, I think the other concern there for people having Turner low, you know, it, you know, obviously, you know, I, I go by what I see on film is that, you know, I mean, look, he, he played in Houston. The competition there, you know, is, is not, 
you know, uh, is, is not great. Um, but, you know, I'm rounding out like the rest of this top 10. So I have, I have Aziz, and I'm going to go through these ones a little bit faster. Um, but, you know, I have Aziz Ojolari at six. And I would say, you know, for Aziz, you know, there, there's, you, you do want to see guys that do well against good competition. You know, I, again, I, I thought he did a pretty good job in that Alabama game. Mostly was going against Alex Leatherwood. Uh, but, but I think he's somewhat inconsistent. And I think, um, you know, a lot of this really stems from him needing uh, more pass, just more pass moves. Um, and, um, you know, um, and I'll say this, you know, I think, um, you know, he can shed blocks. He can win with finesse and power. And, and I would say he's coachable because even though his arsenal is very limited, the limited stuff that he has, he does really well. So uh, I'm of the opinion that, that he can still, you know, develop into something, into something better than that. You know, Joe Tryon, you know, I have at seven, you know, like, like Peyton Turner and Gregory Russo, you know, he has, he has good gifts, you know, to work with, you know, different, you know, I think he's, he's certainly more explosive than, um, you know, probably, probably a little more explosive than, than Peyton Turner, uh, and, and more so than Gregory Russo. But, um, you know, I mean, look, I mean, I think he ran a four or five, of course, it's a laser timer, but, you know, I think a case can be made that, you know, overall, you know, you could put him in the conversation as the best physical gifts to work with. So, I mean, it does pain me to put him at seven, but look, he's, he's so raw, um, you know, but, but, you know, he's, He's, he's long, he's athletic, he does have violent hands. I mean, he probably closes as, fa as fast as anyone outside of Jason Owe. Um, Peyton Turner closes really fast on you, too. Um, but look, you know, that's why I have him there. He's raw, you know, a lot, lot left on the table. He never seasoned this last year. I have Jason Owe at eight. Uh, Jason Owe, straight line speed, the fastest guy in this class. Uh, raw, yes, but I, I think if you draft him on day two, um, you know, anywhere, I don't really think it's, a, it's that much of a risk because I think – you know, he, his physical tools are such that he's going to be able to help your your organization. And I think with him being a great mover, um, you know, and also he has a lot of good film and he is disruptive. You know, there's a lot of tape of him being disruptive, but there's also a lot of tape of him, you know, getting stuck on blocks and and, and having trouble finishing. And, uh, you know, the number of games where he doesn't tap, he doesn't time the snap count as well as he could. But, you know, but I think it's on a risk because, you know, I don't think he's, Boomer bust in the way people think. I just think he he needs he needs time. That's all it is. Um, Rashad Weaver, I have at nine. Um, Rashad Weaver from Pitt. You know, I think Weaver. You know, he's a very natural pass rusher. You know, if you look at the way he bends, um, great arm length. You know, he's got you know he's got some power and explosion to his game, um, and um, you know does a great job using his arms to get off blocks. I mean, he's built to be a pass rusher, um, and another guy that 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 can that can develop there. Um, you know, I think, you know, in terms of why I have Rashad Weaver nine with that glowing recommendation is because I think, you know, physically speaking, um, just in terms of athleticism, uh, Jason Noe has a bit more to work with. Joe Tryon has a bit more to work with. You know, Weaver's not exactly, you know, he's a good player, but he still has some work to do. But look, I, you know, I won't be surprised if Rashad Weaver, I'm saying this now, I won't be surprised if he ends up being top three or four out of this class. Look, you know, this is, this is, um, it's hard to project because, you know, you don't, because a lot of these guys, like we said, they're raw. There's a lot left on the table. You don't know what team they're going to, how they're going to use them, where they're going to line them up, you know, what their mentality is going to be like there. So, you know, you know a lot of it's going to have some discrepancy. Uh, and then I have Joseph Asai from Texas at 10. Uh, there's a lot I like about Osai. You know, he moves great. But here's the thing. He's not a true edge rusher yet. You know, you saw him in 2019. He was in a more traditional linebacker role. Um, but, you know, when, when, when you look at what he does well, you know, he's a very natural mover. He's always around the football. Um, 
and he just he just needs some time if he's going to be a reliable starter in the NFL. Uh, and um, you know, look, I I think he's going to be a starter one way or the other. Um, you just don't know whether they're going to line him up at edge or they're going to put him back to you know a uh, more traditional linebacker spot. So so that's going to round up you know the re- you know our entire list for, for today. Uh, thank you guys you know for, for joining us. Uh, next time we'll be talking some offensive linemen, uh, but these are our top 10 edge rushers right here at the draft at Pigskin Nut. And again, for those on podcast form, uh, I'm going to give my top 10 again, just because I know you guys can't see it. Uh, I have uh, myself, Steve, I have Jalen Phillips ranked number one, Gregory Russo number two, Ronnie Perkins three, Peyton Turner four, Quiddy Pay five, Oziz Ojolari six, Joe Tryon number seven. Jason Owe, number eight, Rashad Weaver, nine, and Joseph Asai, 10. Uh, The NFL draft is coming up pretty soon, but we're not going to stop talking about it. That's what we do year-round here at the draft of Pigskin Nut.